0: Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender.
1: Hi, everyone in the United States and around the world. Welcome to our show, Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. I am Joyce Bender, and I've just got to tell you, I appreciate so much the loyalty to this show. Believe me, I wouldn't have been here 20 years if, if I did not have all of you. And that goes for all of my listeners around the world in 17 different countries, uh, you know, from China to Australia, once again, all in Brazil, because Brazil is w- listening right now, you know that? That's where my friend Richard Roberts from the State Department is. Hello, Richard and Carla. I can't wait to get there this year to go with you, spread the news about quality of life for people living with disabilities. Uh, You know, there there is wonderful things that the State Department is doing. But since like 2013, Ten years, I have been working with the State Department and I have been to Panama, South Korea twice, Japan, Kazakhstan, Indonesia, but virtually with Tunisia, Nigeria, and Libya. This is what the State Department is doing, which I feel is just unbelievable, unbelievably great. Uh, because they're helping. Without them, I wouldn't be going to these countries spreading the news. Richard, you know I love you. Gang Young Cho in South Korea, uh, Benjamin in Kazakhstan, Cheryl Harris right here in Washington, D.C. at the State Department. You are all helping me. So please, whatever country you're in, get it out on your social media for any English listening audience. Uh, I mean it, you're doing so much, you're doing so much, Yoshiko Dart, special shout out to you, Yoshiko, every show, you know how I love you, uh, and to our sponsor, Highmark, couldn't have been doing this all these years without Highmark, so I mean it, Highmark, thank you so much, thank you David Holmberg, and I have to tell you, I was really excited about this show today. Because this guest is someone I really love. He is the real deal. Make no mistake about it. People with disabilities, he has been one of my supporters for so long. Wow, it's way back, Evan Frazier, who is my guest today. And as we're uh, celebrating Black History Month, a person that's trying to change lives, for African-Americans right here in Pittsburgh is Mr. Evan Frazier, the President and CEO of the Advanced Leadership Institute. Welcome, Evan.
2: Thank you so much, Joyce. Uh, You are incredible. What an honor it is to be back here with you. And uh, before we start, I just want to say also congratulations to you, for, tw- for the 20th anniversary of the Joyce Bender radio show, Disability Matters. What an incredible milestone that is! And I just want to just take a moment to just congratulate you. I, you've, I've been blessed to have this opportunity to be on your show a number of times over those over those 20 years, and uh, just I can't. It's it's amazing that uh, you've been doing this that long, impacting people's lives and really inspiring people all around the globe. So thank you for what you're doing, and thanks for having me back.
1: Of course. That's why we have so many listeners, Evan, because I can say (sighs) we have Evan Frazier. That's why. So, Evan, for our listeners in the United States and around the world, I think I mentioned this to you before, but many of the listeners, when I said you have suggestions, yes, we want to know more about the person on your show. You know, you know, but we don't all know. We want to know. So, Evan, for our listeners in the United States and around the world listening, would you share with our listeners your story? You know, like where you grew up and went on to school, and then what happened after that?
2: Sure, sure. Thank you so much. Well, so so uh, I'm uh, born and raised right here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, I uh, feel very fortunate to uh, be with an incredible family. Uh, I had a mom and father who were very instrumental in uh, you know, shaping who I am as a person and my values. And, and uh, just really to see demonstrated leadership and compassion through, through parents made a big difference in my life. Um, so I uh, grew up here in Pittsburgh, uh, went off to college. I went to Cornell University. Um, uh, up in Ithaca, New York. And, uh, when I was there, I was in the, the school of hotel administration and had the opportunity to study organizational management at, uh, really one of the premier hospitality, uh, programs, uh, in the world really. And, uh, so was very, very fortunate there. Um, I was blessed to have a, uh, graduate degree at Carnegie Mellon, uh, did a master of public management degree there with a the focus on marketing and planning. And, um, you know, those experiences uh, were, you know, important part of who I am, but uh, I would say that uh, during those college years, uh, uh, first starting in undergraduate, um, there are a number of things that really shaped, you know, who, who I became. Uh, one of them was the, you know, I had a tendency to be active, active in organizations and, you know, active uh, on campus. And I uh, had the fortunate opportunity as a student there to start something called NSMH, the National Society of Minorities and Hospitality. And um, so uh, and it was one of those things where we had just kind of a club on campus, and we grew it into a national organization during the four years I was in college. And then uh, over wow. the course of the last 30-plus years, uh, we continued to grow it. And uh, we're, we're now going on, I want to say... 33, 34 years now, that makes me sound really old, I know, but um, it was a really important part of when I think about the leadership journey that I'm on, um, you know, how, you know, I, those early experiences really helped to shape how I thought about leadership and I thought about giving back and, and, and really focusing in on communities. So, I've had those opportunities, Um um, when I graduated from college, um, uh, I've worked in many different industries. Uh, one industry is with uh, started in hospitality, uh, with a company called Eaton Park Restaurants. So I worked out of their corporate office for about six years, and they were instrumental one in me going into the business uh, when I was in high school, and had the opportunity to meet the CEO during that time, and they provided scholarship funds. So I felt it was only appropriate uh, when I graduated to start. Uh, my, my uh, professional career with them. So I spent some time in HR, uh, moved into community relations. I had the opportunity to start their first community relations department. And while I was there is when uh, I had the opportunity to do graduate school. And so I did my master's degree, thanks to Eden Park Hospitality um, uh, or Eden Park Restaurants at the time and um, was very fortunate. Uh, so I left there to really, I wanted to broaden my horizons and get out of the box. And so I left uh, really to take advantage of an opportunity to kind of live and work in Asia for a year. So uh, I was selected as a Luce Scholar through the Henry Luce Foundation. Uh, and I spent most of that year in Singapore and Hong Kong. And I was placed with the company. It was a luxury hotel chain at the time. Uh, I'm sure it still exists today, Shangri-La Hotels. And so I had the fortunate opportunity to be with that uh, you know, to that have that experience uh, during my loose Scholar year. Uh, came back to Pittsburgh after that year and worked in um, a nonprofit uh, as, a, as a senior vice president. Uh, it was called the Manchester Bidwell Corporation. Uh, so I did that for a period of time. Bill Strickland, who is uh, really iconic and one of the, um, the real legends when it comes to social entrepreneurship. Uh, so I had a chance to kind of work as an understudy to, to him and to his chief operating officer, Um, My next step, I wanted to get back into the corporate side of things and uh, ended up uh, going into strategic planning with PNC. Uh, So that was my next step, spent some time, a little over two years in strategic planning, uh, moved into an area called finance communications after that. Uh, And then uh, I would say that's right around the time that I was recruited to uh, run my first uh, um, kind of Post college nonprofit organization as as the executive director, then president and CEO, uh, called the Hill House Association, and you were such an important part of that. I'm great. I'll always be grateful to you, Joyce, for being on my board when I was at the Hill House, and your support went a long way towards uh, making me feel supported and in advancing our work in the community. Uh, I was head of that organization for about six years until I got recruited to go with uh, your sponsor, which is Highmark uh, and uh, spent an uh, incredible career as a senior vice president of community affairs there. I was uh, spent 11 years at Highmark Health, wow. and so that was uh, an incredible journey. Had a wonderful team there, and I can't say enough. Uh, you mentioned David Holmberg, uh, and how supportive he has been. I have to say the same thing. Uh, was by, was my experience. He was super supportive of of uh, the, of me, but also the, the leadership that he provided uh just was I feel very blessed to have had that opportunity to be a part of his uh his organization um I uh and it wasn't until recent years that I ended up leaving to start the advanced leadership institute I guess I started it uh even prior to um leaving highmark uh, in fact um uh um uh, wrote the concept paper back in 2016 for it Um, and, um, it wasn't until 2021 that, uh, I made the transition to, uh, run it full time. So I started it really as a volunteer, um, and, and, um, uh, once we kind of went from being an initiative into an institute, that's when I ended up, um, you know, uh, really stepping up and, uh, deciding to do it full time. And, uh, it was with uh, great support and great, uh, um, you know, uh, you know, fought and in uh, buy-in, David Holmberg was one of those folks uh, that helped to make that happen. So uh, that's uh, that's the long story there. Um, I will say that one of the things that's always been important to me is community service, and so I've uh, been fortunate to have had at least, you know, served on at least uh, thirty, maybe thirty-five different boards over the years. And so regardless of what industry or um, position I was in, I was always active in the community, and that's just been a part of my DNA. And uh, so that's that's uh, that's who I am. Uh, another part of who I am is my family. I feel very blessed to have an incredible family. My wife, uh, who was an educator, and then uh, kind of went into, uh, um, you know, uh, kind of being a, a television personality. Uh, uh, then I have uh, two, three... Uh, Two boys uh, and uh, and a daughter, uh, incredible children. Uh, Very, very blessed.
1: Wow. What a great journey you've been on. You know that? Let's start with uh, Eaton Park, the Broadhurst. Here's an organization, like with Susie, that was one of the very first organizations, Eaton Park and Giant Eagle, Hiring people with disabilities. They may have been the Absolutely. first. You know, you'll go in and see people, uh, you know, bussing tables and all that. That They they were one of the first. And, I mean, they're such great people. And, you know, if you're yes. ever in Pittsburgh, you've got to go there and have that smiley face cookie. Even though it's probably 1,000 calories. <laughs> but, um, right. you know, they, they are really, really great people. Then... You got to work with uh, Bill Strickland, who, as you said, is like a icon, is iconic. You know, did so many innovative things at the Bidwell Training Center. Then PNC, which is another great organization that has been very supportive of the Bender Leadership Academy. Which Evan is on the board of the Bender Leadership Academy, and we could talk about my that honor. in a little bit. Well, it's our honor to have you. Uh, and then all oh, the Hill House. Evan, I loved the Hill House. Without a doubt, that was my favorite boards. I loved it. I loved going oh. there. I loved the authenticity. You know, of some of the people on the board. It's a sad, sad, sad day that we don't have the Hill House. Uh, But, you know, and I'm sure Elsie Hillman would not be happy. uh, But at least you made a major impact, the Hill House, you know, while it was there. And then, hi Mark! I love Hi Mark! And David Holberg, he is just, he had breakfast with me, our holiday breakfast. Now, CEO of a major organization, you're thinking Duquesne Club, Rivers Club, Press Club. Instead, Kelly O's Diner, that's what he chose. And that's David Holmberg, a real person, a down-to-earth person. Um, But now it's even more exciting with what you're doing right now, Evan. It is just the culmination of all of those years of the work you've done, plus the person that you are, one of my very favorite people, um, and just such a great role model. You know, many people, Evan, just like in the disability community, so many people with disabilities. But not everyone decides to be an advocate. So same thing in the African-American community, what made you decide to become, to advocate for yeah. uh, people in the African-American community?
2: Yeah. So, so um, well, first of all, thank you so much. Um, you know, for, for me, you know, it really does go back to, you know, just growing up and uh, what was instilled in me, uh, the pride of, you know, for who I am uh, as an African-American, um you know just uh the opportunity to see at very different levels um you know what uh you know you know what the needs are out there and 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 also seeing the inequity that's out there as well right and uh you know just uh, throughout my life I always felt that there was a need um and I felt a deep connection to who I was being african american I was very proud of that Um, And felt that, you know, if you've been blessed, and I've been blessed all my life, uh, that you have a responsibility to be a blessing to others. And always felt that one of the areas that I can, you know, have a real strong impact is when it comes to, you know, helping to build diverse leadership, you know, and helping to support one another to find opportunities uh, to impact, you know, the community in a broader way. Um, and so, you know, even going back to, you know, college and even before college to some extent, um, I would see opportunities where, uh, I felt I could make a difference. And, um, and so that's, uh, that always tended to be an area where I saw a need, felt that I could have an impact and, uh, uh, really took the time to invest. Um, you know, my heart has always been in the community. And so it's, uh, it's one of those things where, um, you know, when you see a need, um, you, uh, feel connection, you know, to the people, uh, and, and, uh, you want to see progress and advancement in a, in a deep way and, you know, being willing to work for it and to work with others to help achieve a broader goal and broader purpose. And that's, that's how I ended up doing what I do today. Um, but that, that same theme goes back to, uh, NSMH, the National Society of Minorities and Hospitality, uh, when it was specific to that field. It goes back to many of the organizations where I may have served on the board and, and those kind of things and for community service. It goes back to the Hill House, which, uh, was anchored in, uh, uh, predominantly African American community and serving, uh, African Americans and the broader community. Um, and it goes back to, you know, this idea uh, when, when I first had a vision for Tally and having conversations with some colleagues of mine and really uh, there was a lot of rhetoric at the time about you know, how important diverse leadership is but just didn't seem to be a lot of mechanisms to really create any real meaningful change as it related specifically to uh, you know, trying to find uh, executives who are uh, diverse and particularly African Americans. And having had um, the opportunity to see uh, where, you know, in our community, um, there was a time, and this was, you know, 25 years ago, that you could almost list, you know, a you know major African American or, or, or black executive in just about every major company. One or two, you could usually pinpoint their names. To then, a number of years later, you. had had to scratch her head to really come up with who was at that level within these companies. So we've gone backward. And uh, there were a number of us who who had some discussion about, you know, really feeling the need to drive uh, and do something that's going to have a real measurable impact. And uh, so that's kind of uh, the origin of how how Tally, you know, came to be. I had the opportunity, I took the uh, opportunity during the summer of 2016 uh, to really write the concept paper for it. And uh, I was on way vacation and, and, you know, took the time to uh, try to draft out uh, this. Uh, it was about a 10-page concept paper for, you know, something called the Advanced Leadership Initiative at the time. So it started as an initiative. And then I took uh, the time when I came back after vacation to start to socialize it for the next five or six months pretty broadly in communities with influencers, people in the community, people who would be impacted by it, people who I could see going through the program, um, people who I could see, uh, were vested, uh, in the community, uh, try to get as much feedback as possible. And, um, you know, after that period of time, you know, there were a couple things that kind of came back, uh, and that was one people would ask the court, you know, uh, people felt that it was important that, um, You know, if we're looking to build a world-class executive leadership program that targets uh, black professionals and executives, you know, it had to be anchored and supported by companies. You know, that uh, it couldn't be an independent, isolated program. It had to be something that was anchored and supported by companies. The second thing was that we had to have a really strong academic institution. They felt that, um, you know, uh, who we selected would matter. Uh, fortunately, I had the opportunity. I was a, a trustee at Carnegie Mellon for six years, uh, I want to say 2008 to 2014. Uh, so when I wrote the concept paper and started to socialize it um, uh, in 2016, um you know, it became very clear that uh, I needed to reach out to Carnegie Mellon and to the uh, dean of the business school, which I did. Um, uh, Bob Damon was his name. Uh, We had some great conversations about the concept. He was excited about it and uh, had then introduced me to his um, executive education team. And then we started working to build uh, one of our first signature programs, uh, which, which is known as the Executive Leadership Academy. Uh, and so that's kind of how it started to kick off. Uh, we started to pull um, uh, people who were vested in the work that we were looking to embark upon. Um, one, of the, one of my mentors, uh, Greg Spencer, um, who I know you know, Joyce, uh, as well, uh, yes. he uh, happened to write a, a, a document and do a study based on an award he had received. And it was right at the same time, and it really showed um, the real disparity as it related to senior-level black leaders, uh, particularly at the C-suite level within our community. And then broader studies would then show that um, uh, we were about, uh, about half of what other cities are as far as kind of vice president and up level. So we were very underrepresented. And so it was those discussions um, and then a, a group of incredible volunteers uh, who would serve on an executive committee, on advisory boards, uh, those who stepped up as sponsors, including, uh, our, you know, some of our, our uh, close friends that we, we just shared. Um, you know, that, that's really how uh, the origins of, of Tally began.
1: Wow. You know, Evan... This reminds me of something that really bothers me in the disability world. When I call companies, now they're being more open, but when I would call companies, hey, um, I'm Joyce Bender, we're trying to find opportunities for people with disabilities. I cannot begin to tell you, maybe 98% or 95% of the time, this is what yeah. we said. Well, you know, you know what? We have openings in uh, call center. I think people with disabilities would be great in the call center because we have tremendous turnover, and I know people with disabilities are really loyal. Um, and so, Absolutely. you know, let's look at our let's look at our call center. But that's it. Not hi well you know it's changed now a little thank god that we're looking at all different areas but i'm telling you it reminds me of the african-american community why does why does people think why do people think that every african-american wants to be in Mm -hmm. dni do you know what i mean You'll go to a company. Do you sure. have any executive level African-Americans? Oh, yeah. So-and-so is the senior vice president over, uh, you know, diversity initiatives or in human resources. You know, what about account, you know, what about C-suite? What about yep. CIO? What about all these other positions? It's the same That's exactly thing. exactly right. Get categorized into one area we get categorized into one area uh now as i said it's far more it's so much better now but we still have 70 percent of people with disabilities not counted in the workforce and you evan Mm -hmm. definitely have your work cut out for you right here in western pennsylvania so what you're doing is so great and we're going to talk about it uh a little more when we come back uh from our news break, which we have our news on the half hour, and it is with our own Perry Jude Radisick, CEO of Disability Rights of Pennsylvania, which I'm proud to serve on the board. She is a national leader. She's been with me for five years as we are celebrating our 20th anniversary. Perry, welcome.
3: Hi, Joyce. Uh, welcome uh, to 20 years, and it's yeah. been great uh, to be a part of that for five. So yes, um, yes.
1: Uh, and we like. Lo- you know what, Perry? We're going to be scheduling Theo Berry on. So when I sent him an invite, I said, "And by the way, my newscaster really loves you, Perry Jude Radisson." <laughs> <laughs> Only place in the country, though, only place that does what we do, which is weekly news for the disability community. So, Perry, what do you have for us today? Well,
3: Joyce, on Wednesday, this is last Wednesday, February 15th, our own Pennsylvania U.S. Senator John Fetterman had checked himself into Walter Reed National Medical Center Now, according to a statement released by the senator's office, Senator Fetterman is now voluntarily receiving treatment for clinical depression at Walter Reed. His office stated that he has experienced depression off and on throughout his life, and it only became more severe in recent weeks, and the Fetterman family has asked for privacy um, during this time. Now, clinical depression is a more severe form of depression, and we know depression can range from temporary experiences of sadness to really major depressive episodes. But I have to say, Joyce, the community response has been overwhelmingly supportive of Senator Fetterman. Fellow lawmakers have stepped forward to share their experiences with depression and have offered support to the senator. This is just a, a short list, but they include U.S. Senator Tina Smith from Minnesota who and uh, Representative Richie Torres from uh, New York, who both have talked about their experiences with depression. In fact, Representative Torres has spoken about his own hospitalization for depression. Uh, Heidi Cruz, the wife of Texas Senator Ted Cruz, and Former Representative Patrick Kennedy uh, have all come forward, as has Representative Susan Wild, who's a Democrat here in Pennsylvania. The disability community, Joyce, also has stepped forward to use the moment to challenge mental health stigma. Uh, AAPD, which is the American Association of People with Disabilities, uh, has said that they are proud of Senator Fetterman for being open about his mental health and seeking treatment uh, for his needs. The National Disability Rights Network treated kudos to Senator Fetterman for being open and transparent about his mental health. Now, advocacy matters, and we say the best way to end mental health stigma is to be open and honest with our experience with mental health. We do think honesty breaks down those barriers and helps others move into recovery uh, for mental health. Everyone should be able to receive mental health support and treatment without being stigmatized. And we applaud Senator Fetterman for sharing with the public that he prioritizes his mental health. And Joyce, that's our news for the week. Perry, you cannot believe how proud I am of him.
1: As you know, at the Bender Leadership Academy, we have the Mary Brocker Mental Health Initiative that includes the National Initiative Not Ashamed, which just today um, I was sending a text to Valerie, Jared, to make sure she saw her um, uh, clip at the Bender Leadership Academy about being supportive of Not Ashamed. But we also had Brett Hundley uh, from the uh, 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 NFL do the same thing and you know what we've had congressmen so you know I'm gonna have our uh, person that is on retainer for not ashamed to reach out to Senator Fetterman because this is what it's all about Ty Herndon is a famous country star he's gonna be on my radio show in a couple months and he did a he did a video for us saying uh, you know, I live with bipolar disorder. This is what I've gone through in my life. These have been my obstacles, not ashamed. And uh, that is what we want to do with Senator Fetterman, right here from Pennsylvania. Yes. Perry, before you go, guess where I first met him? Absolutely. At Evans Mother's
2: I know Park. exactly where you first met him. <laughs> I believe I I believe I do. <laughs> You know, and I, I'll never, uh, I I just, if I could just say, uh, John Fetterman, I am also, uh, like you mentioned, Joy, so proud of Senator Fetterman. Uh, you know, I remember when John Fetterman worked directly uh, with the Hill House, uh, he ran our out-of-school youth program out in the Braddock area, and uh, this is, uh, uh, you know, before he became mayor of Braddock and before... You know those things, he was uh, just an incredible force out in that area. You know, running programs. He was also developing his own community center at the time. Um, so the entire time I was there, you know, uh, I just I remember the opportunity to build a relationship there and then to see him then become mayor to help transform Braddock as a, as a, as a you know uh, city uh, that that was on the on the recovery than um, to see him go on to, uh, you know, become lieutenant governor and now U.S. senator. I mean, what? how proud I am to see someone who I would regard as a, not only an associate but as a friend to really follow his passion and his dream for public service and community service um, and to do it at the highest levels. I mean, he is one of those people. If he's, if he's in it, he is seriously in it. He is serious as a heart attack. Uh, he is just that. Uh, committed to the community and um, I I love the fact that he is open enough uh, in this time when it comes to mental health once again he is becoming you know he is really showing uh, the type of leadership and impact um, that he can have in the community through his personal example
1: yes Uh, and and uh, what was that he had on tattooed on his arm from Braddock something with Braddock right
2: I didn't hear I uh, the whole thing, Joyce. He... I'm so sorry.
1: Oh, oh, he had a tattoo on his arm. In oh, reference yes. To
2: he, he, he tattooed the uh, the zip code of Braddock. Yes. Because of how committed he was to serving the youth in that community and, and the people of that community. And he turned a community that had Significant violence. Uh, There was a lot of uh, violence, gang violence, even uh, in that area. And and his personal example of how he reached out and how committed he was on a deep personal level really made a difference uh, to the point where, you know, there were, and I don't don't know the exact stats, but basically, uh, there were no killings that, like, uh, for an extended period of time because of the work he was doing directly in that community. I mean, really amazing.
1: Well, Perry, that's where I first met him. Evan's mother (laughs) had had a fundraiser, and I went to their home for the fundraiser, and I still have the shirt I bought, and I still wear it, (laughs) Fetterman. And now when he was uh, (laughs) running for senator, I got another long sleeve shirt, but boy, am I proud of him. I am proud of him. So, Perry, thank you so much. And you'll have to keep us uh, up to date on that.
3: I will, Joyce. Thank you.
1: Thanks for calling, Perry. Thanks for the news. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I want to tell you, Evan, that was the first time I met him or saw him.
0: Oh, And when wow. he walked okay. in,
1: I said, what? This is better <laughs> Oh, my God. He's so big. He's so big. Uh But you know what? Isn't that amazing that it fits in to the Bender Leadership Academy? Not ashamed. And Evan is on our board, and what we are doing is helping high school students with disabilities uh, prepare for work, build leadership skills, mental health initiative, not ashamed, dealing with bullying, uh, and we have the Jared Community Engagement, so named after Valerie, teaching people one simple thing: vote. How to vote? Absolutely. Um, so, um, and we're thrilled, Evan, to have you on the board. And you can share with our listeners how powerful are those students when they speak.
2: Oh wow! Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, what an honor it is to be on the board of the Vendor Leadership Academy. Uh, and, uh, when I sit in those meetings and you bring in, uh, the, you know, some of the young folks who went through the Academy and, oh my goodness, you are transforming lives through the Academy and the, and the work that you're doing, you could see the passion, uh, you could see the ambition, uh, you could see the promise in each and every one of them that comes to share and uh, what an incredible feeling it is to sit there uh, to hear their story and to hear, you know, the struggle that they've gone through and in, in the level of achievement uh, that they're experiencing, recognizing there's still much more to go. Um, you, you're doing something very special there, and I'm, I'm proud to be a part of it.
1: Well, I'm proud. We're, you are a great board member. You should be an example to all board members. You know that? Evan has introduced us to people that has caused grants to come our way. Um, He has done so much. I mean, he's just a great board member. Uh, I'm just lucky I was able to get you because I know how many millions of things you're involved with, Evan. But I did want to ask you... A few questions about Tally. Number one, if a company is listening to the program, because remember, folks, if you want someone else to hear this, it's on Spotify, BenderConsult.com, VoiceAmerica.com. You can hear any of the old shows and share this podcast with others. Um, So, and, and Evan, even National World Institute on Disability, Put this podcast somewhere on their website, because that way, when they hear you, they know, keep hearing what it's about. I'm wanting to know, how Absolutely. does a company sponsor Tally?
2: Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, well for, thank you for asking the question. So, so um, you know, Tally, our mission is to cultivate black executive leadership to strengthen companies, institutions, and communities. And really our focus is to get companies to invest in their black talent. Uh, that's really uh, kind of the model that we use. And and uh, so uh, very often what companies will do, uh, there are occasions where they'll identify talent in their organization and then sponsor them to go through either our executive program called the Executive Leadership Academy or our Emerging Leaders Program by, by paying the tuition for them to go through uh, for those who uh, get accepted into the program. But more often, um, companies become sponsors. And uh, when you become sponsors at certain levels, what it does is it helps to reserve a space for your company in the various programs. And so that uh, as companies are looking to uh, really build uh, and to develop their their leadership within their organization, um, they see Tally uh, as a partner. Uh, that works with them in investing in their black talent. Uh, not only do we put people through uh, world-class executive programs through Carnegie Mellon, uh, through the Tepper School of Business, and so we bring in faculty from across the country uh, in very specialized areas to be able to be a part of, um, you know, the delivery service that that we provide. Um, but then what we do is we partner with our sponsors. Our sponsors. Uh, do a couple things. I mean, it's not uh, there. Is while there are branding opportunities and those kind of things, more uh, it's also opportunities where they can invest in their talent, work with their talent development teams to be able to uh, uh, make sure that they're providing uh, these enriched opportunities uh, for their diverse, uh, particularly uh, black uh, uh, professionals and and executives, depending upon which uh, program they've, uh, they're really choosing to uh, be a part of. And so uh, people can go to our website and contact us, uh, tallyinstitute.org, um, uh, or they can reach out to me personally in any way. Um, but basically, uh, as a sponsor, they, it allows uh, at different levels, it will allow them uh, to reserve space in our cohorts. And our cohorts are all competitive programs. And so uh, it, it is important, uh, particularly if they're looking to not just one, on a one-time basis say, we'll put someone in a new program this year, but to say, hey, we're going to continuously invest in our own black talent. Um, and, and this sponsorship allows them to be able to reserve a space so that they can continuously do that, continuously look for ways uh, to uh, invest in their diverse, uh, the diversity of their teams.
1: And I just want, that is so fabulous. Remember, Evan Frazier, he brought this dream to reality, founding, tally, in partnership with Carnegie Mellon University. Another question, Evan, how, is there a certain level people have to be, even if it's for emerging leaders, for companies to refer them, and how are they selected?
2: So, uh, yes, yes, um, so... Uh, for the executive program, uh, it's uh, a minimum of 10 years of professional work experience. Um, tend to be people who are at least uh, at middle management, if not executive roles, so it tends to be directors and vice presidents uh, within corporations. Um, within the nonprofit or public side, it might be uh, an executive director or, or uh, for a large nonprofit or a public institution it might be a number two person who aspires to the number one person. Uh, in that organization, uh, so that tends to be the focus for the Executive Leadership Academy for the emerging leaders. Uh, it's, we simply require at least a minimum of three to five years uh, of uh, professional experience, uh, and in both programs, it usually uh, most most people have not only degrees but uh, graduate degrees, and, and often. But uh, we we do recommend at least uh, a bachelor's degree, um, uh, uh, you know, through most programs. Um, and, uh, uh, for the Emerging Leaders Program, um, it's usually people, they could be individual contributors or early managers. Um, uh, it could be either, uh, but typically at least three to five years of professional experience and and really some demonstrated spark of leadership, uh, is really what we're looking for as well. We're looking for those who are looking to, um, advance and to better, not only their own career, but also uh, have greater impact in the community as well.
1: I'll tell you, that is so wonderful. Uh, one more time, what's that website, Evan, in case a business yes, person listening wants to refer yes. someone?
2: It's uh, just www.taliinstitute.org. Uh, T-A-L-I, That's taliinstitute.org.
1: So what if you are not through a company... But want to uh-huh. go to Tally? How does that work?
2: Uh, it, did you say uh, if they're not like with the company? like say
1: you're an independent, you're an entrepreneur like me, someone like me? Yes, uh, sure. Of, sure. If a per- because didn't Nina go through that? Tally Blackwell? Oh, yes,
2: yeah, Nina. Yes, she did. She was an entrepreneur, went through the program, and uh, Nisha Blackwell is incredible. Nisha, and- yeah. Which she also did volunteering for uh, Bender Leadership Academy was phenomenal, and so um, uh, she's just a prime example of uh, one of our graduates from the Emerging Leaders Program. She's an incredible entrepreneur, uh, just uh, just really uh, doing great things out there, and um, and so so uh, I, I believe your initial question, Joyce, was that you you wanted to know how how people would. Uh, uh, get into the uh, yes, uh, go yes. through the process, or
1: yeah, yeah. Want
2: to make sure I'm answering the question correctly yeah. here.
1: That's correct. How would they go through the process?
2: Yeah, so uh, people can actually go to our website uh, and apply right on our website. And so, if you're an entrepreneur, um, they would, and uh, and, and people were with companies, they would go to our website apply. What we tend to do is uh, for, for people coming from companies, we uh, would then also uh, have them reach out to their uh, representatives in their company because our plan is not to have the individuals um, put the financial burden on their own shoulders. It really is to get the companies to invest in their black talent, right, in, in, their, uh, uh, in their talent. And so we want the companies to play a vested role and have skin in the game. Uh, and as a result, we're, we're seeing a lot of tremendous results. Our first cohort back in 20, uh, 2019, within two years, 87% of them wow. uh, had received promotions or significant additional responsibilities. We just tracked our 2020 class after a full two years, and I believe the number was about 96%. And so we're seeing real progress, uh, real advancement. Um and, and part of it is because uh comp- you know, the way that it's structured, uh the companies are vested. The individual going through the program is vested. There's a whole tally community of mentors and thank you, Joyce, for uh volunteering to be a mentor with our executive leadership academy this year. We're so grateful. They're invested and we have volunteers, um, board members. We have a whole community that's surrounding uh, both the people who are going through the program and then the alumni and then the alumni activities. So uh, we're finding that it works. Uh, it has become, we have a more than a 90% retention level uh, for our region, uh, for, uh, which is really significant when we're trying to attract and retain uh, diverse talent in our region. Uh, we can demonstrate that it's happening here.
1: Oh, that is so fantastic. I, you know, I would tell... Every company listening or entrepreneur, whatever, from the African American (laughs) community to check this out right away. But we got to take a quick break for our What's Going On at Bender. I think Chris is with us. Chris Griffin, are you with us? I am. How are you, Joyce? I'm good, Chris Griffin. And Chris, what is going on at Bender?
0: Well, we've got some great opportunities. Right now we have a great um, executive director position for a person with a disability uh, working, um, would be the chief executive officer of APRIL. APRIL is the Association of Programs for Rural Independent Living Centers. And this is a fabulous remote, totally remote position. There is some travel required to visit members and funders But for the most part, you can work from anywhere in the United States and you would oversee this organization of 260 members that are rural independent living centers, meaning that they're in rural areas serving people with disabilities who live in rural areas. And I think we all know that people with disabilities who live in rural areas have a different set of needs and challenges. And this person would be overseeing... The membership association of this um, of these um, independent living centers, and it really is a great opportunity. But you need to have experience, at least seven years experience working for an independent living center or a statewide independent living council. Um, so that job is open, and we encourage it. It's open until it's filled, but the serious candidates should really get their applications in by. March first. And all you need to do is send a resume and cover letter to me at C Griffin, C G R I F F I N at Bendaconsult.com. Just do that. Do it by March first, hopefully, and uh we'll consider you for that position. In addition to that, we have a couple of other great openings that are happening. Um they aren't posted yet. But one will be uh, the executive director for the Washington Disability Rights Washington, which is the Washington Protection Advocacy Agency, and we have another one that's very close to posting that will be for the executive, Chief, executive director for Disability Rights Maryland, and those are two great opportunities. They you know, want a person with a disability to lead an organization that serves people with disabilities, Um, in the state of Maryland, and then the other one is in the state of Washington. So those are two other great opportunities that will be posted very soon, and I'll hopefully be back on your show talking about those in more detail once they're posted. And uh, we have some other things that uh, we're working on but aren't uh, for public consumption yet, but uh, those are other great opportunities for people with disabilities that are coming to fruition. So... It's very
1: exciting. It's fun. Yeah. So awesome. And if you're listening right now, you're thinking, oh, I said, if you're listening, whoever's listening to the show, and you're thinking, oh, I know this organization, get in touch with Chris. One caveat we will not work with you unless it's a person with a disability you're hiring for that executive role. That's a must. Now, you go ahead and get in touch with Chris, no matter what, if you're at the executive level and you're thinking, not right for April or Maryland, but I would be interested in, you know, if something turns up, go ahead and reach out to Chris. She is building a big database of people uh, because you know, although there isn't something right for you today, there can be something for you tomorrow. And Chris, you also found the executive director for NDRN, correct?
0: Yes, NDRN Malena Sayo has been in that position for about four or five months now, and that was a great search, and it was uh, National Disability Rights Network, which is also a, a member association like APRIL, only this is the association of all the protection advocacy agencies across the country. So the Disability Rights, uh, for every state uh, is a legally based organization and they're members of NDRN. So, yep, we did that search. But more recently I completed the search for the uh, California Foundation for Independent Living Centers, another association that is, uh, their members are all the independent living centers in the state of California. And that was a great group to work with um, and, and their new director um, Brett Eisenberg will be starting on March 1st next week. So that's very exciting, too.
1: Another great person. Well, Chris, thank you. We'll have you back again, keeping up to date with all these great things going on at Bender. Thanks. Thank you for that update, Chris. All right. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. You know what? It's so great, uh, Evan, to be working on executive-level positions. You know what I mean?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes.
1: Well, before we end the show today, I wanted to ask you, Evan, what message do you have for our listeners?
2: Oh, uh, that's, that's a great question. It's a great way to end the, the, the program today. Um, so I, I would say the message I would have uh, is that, you know, as we talk about, you know, as you think about um, the future either for yourself um, or you think about it or if you're representing a company, uh, is that it's important to be deliberate about, you know, building for the future. It's important to be deliberate about uh, diversity and inclusion, um, because those are the things, you know, the things that uh, really have a lasting impact. It's not something that becomes a fleeting thought one day and then uh, out the door the next day. It's those things that you believe in and that you're taking deliberate steps to advancing for the future. So as you think about uh, yourself from a personal career standpoint, you know, it's what is your vision? You know, how, what kind of plan are you building towards that vision? And how do you align uh, and have the right attitude that's going to be in alignment with your vision? right and uh but it's the same thing as I think about companies that if, uh, if diversity and and uh, and inclusion is an important component it can't be a one-time thing it's got to be something that you're actively and deliberately uh, and consistently building towards and that's what we do at tally it's uh we are we recognize that uh, you know um, from a corporate standpoint it's important to be partners uh, so that as you're deliberate, you know, as you're deliberately moving towards creating a more diverse, inclusive culture and creating more leaders, um, diverse leaders in your organization, uh, it's a process, and it and it has to be over a period of time. So be deliberate, um, you know, be thoughtful, uh, be consistent, and uh, really uh, take the time uh, and and, uh, and and aspire for greater
1: greater things here. Thank you for those words. And Evan, thank you so much for being with us. We end every show with a quote. This person, like me, had epilepsy. I have epilepsy. But she lived with epilepsy also. Don't ever stop. Keep going. If you want a taste of freedom, said Harriet Tubman. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you all next week, and in the words of Mary Brocker, choose joy.